0: Good, good morning, it's, you have no idea the honor that my wife and I feel in being here today. Um, while we are learning your names, and I thank you for the grace that is already extended in getting those names, um, our spirits feel at home already. And we just love the spirit of this church, and it is an incredible honor. I do want to extend some thank yous before I begin today. I want to say first thank you to the succession team. There were seven folks that were tasked with leading this, and I know in talking to them it was a long journey as it was for us. And you need to know as a congregation that they honored you, and I believe with all of their heart sought the Holy Spirit's leading and I want to thank them for um, guiding us in that process. I want to thank the elder board, the board of operations, and the entire leadership team that we met with and um, for the grace, again, that was shown and, and uh, just making us feel comfortable as we got to know each other. Um, for the congregational interview team, there were seven folks uh, from within the congregation of a diverse background that we got to know first and foremost through a lot of video conversations. And um, we appreciate your grace. Uh, to Pastor Rock, you are blessed, I know you know this, um, to have him as your pastor for 36 years now. He is an incredible man of God. And I truly, truly count it an honor To walk alongside him um, for to receive his counsel and to be my friend in the years ahead. And last but certainly not least, I want to thank you as a congregation, because you prayed and we felt your prayers and needed your prayers. And it would not have happened without your prayer, without your patience and without you trusting the leadership that God put in this place. So I want to say thank you to that. Um, As we begin, and we're going to dive into the text that the Lord put in my heart in just a moment, I really sensed that part of this time in, in preaching for the first weekend was to share our journey and to share our story. And so I have to begin really by letting you know that a year, a year and a half ago, I never would have guessed. I never would have imagined that we would have left where we were at. That God began stirring in our hearts. I I was at a church locally, and just never imagined leaving that place and thought we would retire from there. But it was October fourth, almost a year and a half ago, two thousand eighteen. The Holy Spirit woke me up at two forty-five in the morning, and that's not a normal occurrence at 2:45. But the Holy Spirit woke me up, and I believe God had two questions that I was just wrestling with that early morning. I believe the Lord said to me, "Alan, will you do whatever I ask you to do, and will you be obedient in that calling?" And at that time, I had no idea what that meant. There was just a stirring in my spirit, and there was a five-month journey, if you will, in that season of wrestling with God, what are you saying? What does that mean? What does that look like? And it was March 5th, five months later, 2019, that I ran across a quote by D.L. Moody in a personal prayer time. And I wrote this in my prayer journal. Dwight L. Moody said these words, The world has yet to see what God will do with and will do for and through and in and by the man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. And in that personal prayer time, I also wrote down these words. I said, Lord, today I give up my dreams. I give up my goals. I give up my desires. Whatever you want with my life, it's yours. And it instantly, a peace came over my heart. And while I had no idea about ACAC, while I had no idea what that meant, I knew that for our family, there was a season of change coming, and there was a complete peace. And it was six days later. On March 11th, I was contacted by a group called Slingshot, and they said, there's this beautiful church on the north side of Pittsburgh called ACAC that we'd love to have a conversation with you about. And so the journey began. And I would like to tell you that it was a fast journey and it was easy and smooth. Um, But there were days where we wondered and sensed, um, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And one of the things through that, as humbly as I can say this, and my wife will attest to this, I told her early in the process, it was probably March or even April, I said, honey, I really feel God's called us and we're going to be going to ACAC without early in the process, knowing. And I felt for us that it was a lesson in walking in faith and trusting the voice of God. Because there were days that I wondered and I questioned and I continually went back to the Lord saying, did I say it or not? Do you trust me or do I not? And it was walking every day. And what really sustained us, and as I prayed about what to preach this weekend, I really felt the Lord say, Alan, you need to share your story. You need to share what sustains you. You need to share what brought you here. And there was one discipline, there was one thing that I want to encourage you with today as we go to the scripture. And that is the title, The Power of Persistent Prayer. I want you to turn your Bibles, if you have them with you this morning, to the 18th chapter of the book of Luke. Luke 18, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 together. Now, if you... Have your Bible here. Great. Open that up for a lot of you. I know that's your phone. So if somebody is pulling out their phone, they're not texting probably. Well, hopefully not. They're opening their Bible app. So if you don't have that and don't want to do that, it's going to be on the screen right behind you. you. But let me read this text today as we dive in. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city. He said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice. Because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns... How many will he find on earth who have faith? Heavenly Father, personally, I thank you for this moment right now. I have seen, Lord, your guidance, your spirit, Lord, lead us. And I believe with all of my heart that you have called us here for such a time as this. And I thank you for the still small voice that speaks. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers, sustains, and guides. Today, I believe you have given a word that needs to be spoken. But I pray that people would not hear Alan's voice. I pray they would hear yours. Let it be so in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So Jesus turns to his disciples. And the gospel writer Luke says, he told them a story about prayer and never giving up. And this parable or this story wasn't a make believe fairy tale, fairy tale story, if you will. It was very much relatable to these first century Jewish Jesus followers. And the story has two main characters there is an unjust judge and a poor, oppressed widow. And the unjust judge who should have been fair, who should have been just and serving God's people, instead admittedly said, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. I mean, this is a first century story of the haves and the have-nots. And the judge had, he had authority, he had power, he had influence, and he was unjust. And then on the polar opposite was this widow who had already lost a husband and was being treated unfairly. Who knows what the crime was, but there was injustice and there was oppression. And she was alone. And no one was there to represent her. And Jesus said that it was through her persistence, her persistence, her relentless, shameless audacity, where she beat down this unjust judge. In fact, the Greek word in there, when the judge finally gives justice, the Greek word there visually is she gave him a black eye. She wore him out until he finally said, you can have justice. And Jesus says, pay attention to the unjust judge and learn about prayer and never giving up. So today, what does this text say to us? What is it teaching God's people today? Is Jesus comparing God to the unjust judge? Is he comparing us, his chosen people, his followers, to the widow? Is Jesus really saying that we can beat down God with our individual requests if we are just persistent enough with our prayers? That we can beat down God to the point that he gives us everything we ask? No. It's not the moral of the story, if you will. It's not the lesson that Jesus was teaching. You see, Jesus often used parables to teach kingdom principles to his people. However, rarely did you find him plainly articulating the lesson in the story. But that wasn't the case with this parable of the unjust judge and the persistent window. Here we find the gospel writer Luke saying specifically, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Therefore, we know going into this parable that Jesus's point and his lesson in sharing this event is that his followers should always be praying and should never give up. Which leads us to the first lesson. Persistent prayer should be a discipline in the life of every Christ follower. If you proclaim to be a Christian, if you have given your life to Jesus, persistent prayer, daily prayer should be a regular routine of your spiritual disciplines. God has called his people to pray consistently not when trials come, not when you need something, but when things are good and when things are bad, God's people are to pray. Jesus often used the lesser to greater argument in his parables. Remember the time where Jesus said, if you who are sinful take care of your children, how much more will God take care of you? It's the lesser to greater argument. If an unjust judge will show justice, how much more will God? So this story, while its primary lesson is rooted in prayer, it also teaches us about the character of the God that we pray to. And it also teaches us about the identity of us, his children. And today I would argue that one of the greatest challenges of the church of Jesus Christ is a misunderstanding of who God is and a lack of understanding of our identity as his people. So as we pray, as we approach God, we recognize the character of God. As we pray, we recognize the character of God. And while the judge in our story was unjust, inattentive, prejudice, and partisan, God is not. God is righteous, dependable, non-discriminatory, and good. And Jesus says that if a corrupt judge will render a just decision in the end, surely God answers the prayers of his chosen people. If an evil judge will finally do the right thing through the persistent prayers of a helpless widow, how much more will God? Today, you need to understand that we serve a God who is attentive to every detail of our life. God is concerned about every single detail of your life. He's concerned about your children. He's concerned about your marriage. He's concerned about your finances. He's concerned about what happens on your job. He's concerned about your family and your health. There is nothing in your life that God is not concerned or attentive to. But as we pray, we also discover our identity in Christ. We discover our identity as his chosen people. And while the widow in this story is abandoned, alone, defenseless, and powerless, we are not. God's people are adopted, embraced, defended, and empowered. And if a helpless widow stuck in a patriarchal system that made her powerless and abandoned, if she received justice from an evil judge through her persistent prayers, how much more will God answer the prayers of his chosen people? Today, we need to know that we are God's children. We are adopted into his family and made fully alive in him. Jesus teaches us the character of God and he also teaches us the identity of his children, us, his people. Jesus, though, also illustrates how we should pray. More than any other gospel, the writer Luke emphasizes prayer. And while in the book of Matthew, he emphasizes Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, only one other time does he write about Jesus praying. In the gospel of Mark, other than the time that jesus praying in gethsemane he references two other prayers but it's the gospel of luke it's the author luke who consistently weaves in thread jesus praying his emphasis of prayer over and over again jesus praying at his baptism in the river jordan jesus praying in the wilderness as he's being tempted jesus praying on the mountain in a certain place for simon on the mount of olives and lastly at the cross jesus praying and pleading to the father is why the book of luke has also been called the gospel of prayer the entire book as well as this parable teaches god's people i believe the two single most important things about prayer here's the first god's people are to pray continually Colossians 4:2 says continue steadfast in prayer. Ephesians 6:18 pray at all times. Romans 12:12 12, 12, be constant in prayer. And 1 Thessalonians 5:17 says it pretty straightforward, never stop praying. Turn to the person beside you and say never stop praying. <laughs> While we must we never stop praying. And while God's people are to pray constantly and continuously, the second most important thing about prayer is to pray a specific way. God's people are to pray, thy kingdom come. While we must continually be in prayer, our heart's desire must always be submissive to the will of the Father. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because you can't pray thy kingdom come while you're pushing your own kingdom. God's people can't say thy will be done when you're more concerned about your own will. So while Jesus is teaching his disciples and he teaches us today that we need to be in constant prayer. Our constant prayer needs to be birthed and guided in kingdom prayers. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. God, what do you have for me? What do you have for us? If you've been at ACAC for any length of time, you've heard it said and you know the story of the founder, the first pastor of this church, E.D. Whiteside. It was A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance denomination, who tapped his friend on the shoulder and said, Edie, will you superintend the work in Pittsburgh? And E.D. Whiteside's famous here response was I will not superintend the work in Pittsburgh. But if the Holy Spirit will superintend the work, I will run his errands. And you need to know and hear from my heart that I don't come with a list of things that Alan desires to accomplish. I don't come with a written-out vision, plan, or goals for ACAC. I come bringing my gifts that the Lord has put on me, the anointing that I believe God has instilled in me. I say, God, they're yours. And I take the baton from Pastor Rock and all of the other pastors that have gone before and the spiritual DNA that is in this church, and I say, Holy Spirit, what would you have us do? And how do we discern what those errands are that the Holy Spirit would have us do? Prayer. We discern it by prayer. And as we pray, this is what happens. Our faith grows. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by what? By hearing. Hearing what? God's word. The number one way our faith grows and will continue to grow is we hear God's word. First and foremost, that's what we know. We look no, no prayer comes that contradicts God's word. Everything is rooted in God's word. And I like saying it this way, that God's word is the engine that drives our faith and prayer is the fuel that enables it. And if you take one thing away, if you write one thing down, circle it in your insert, put it on a post-it note and meditate it on it this week, it's this, persistent Kingdom prayers, persistent thy will be done prayers. They empower our faith and they sustain us as we wait. Jesus asked his disciples at the end of that story, how many will I find who have faith? God's word is the engine. Prayer is the fuel. I pray that when he returns and as the trumpet blows, as Pastor Rock rejoices, (laughs) he will find us faithful. Now, here's the thing. When you talk about prayer, we often think of our own needs. When we pray, we have a list of things that we need. Finances that need met, cars that need fixed, problems at home on the job for our kids And as we've already discovered and as we already know, God sees every detail and he cares. He's attentive to our needs. But too often, we never get to the communal prayers. Because we live in a Western society that's very individualistic. And we don't think community. We never get to the kingdom prayers. We never get to say, thy will be done, not just in our body, our local church with the small C, but as Pastor Rock said, the global church, the big church, the kingdom, God's church. So, I want to end today with us praying and talking about that. And I'm reminded of the fourth chapter in Acts, where this is after the church is born, Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers his first believers, and a church is birthed 3,000. And Peter and John are filled with the Spirit and they're preaching in the community. And another 2,000 are added after a, a lame beggar is healed. And all of a sudden, persecution happens for the first time. Pushback happens against the church. And Peter and John and the early believers are left. What will we do now? In the fourth chapter of Acts, Peter and John go back to the believers. And this is what the 24th, chapter, 24th verse says. says that when they heard the report, when the Christians heard the report from Peter and John that persecution was coming... They told Peter and John, no more, no more spreading this propaganda of Jesus, no more preaching in his name. They went back to the believers and when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And it goes through and they, they write out the prayer that was prayed that day. And towards the end in verse 29, this was a part of that prayer. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So today I'm going to ask you and I call upon you to do something you may be uncomfortable with. And that's to stand and pray. Would you stand this morning with me? And for the next few moments, I'm going to ask that you do as the first church in Acts did. They stood together and they lifted their voices in prayer. And I want us as a church not to pray individual prayers, but to pray kingdom prayers. God Your kingdom come, your will be done in this place and in the global church. I'm going to ask that you lift your voice and pray and then I'll close us. Let's do it together. Almighty God, we come to you today understanding your character and your nature. That you are a God who is attentive to our needs. You are not unjust, but you are righteous and holy. You are good. And as Hagar said, you're the God who sees and you see us. And we also understand who we are in you. That we are made fully alive in you. That we are not helpless and defenseless and powerless as the widow that your son talked about. But rather we are empowered by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would act like it. I pray that today, Lord, this church and in the global church. That Lord, as we talk about expanded influence. That your spirit would speak, that your spirit would lead us, that it wouldn't be a personality's agenda or a man's agenda, but God, we would pick up your agenda. Let it be clear. And Father, I pray that as the first church prayed for boldness and courage, that God, you would give us an extra dose of that. That when culture comes, when the community comes, and the world comes, and it questions God's word, we would be stronger than ever before, that we would never faint. And we would trust in you while we wait. And let us be a people of prayer. Let us be a church of prayer. Let us be a people and a church who pray continually, persistently, and constantly. But let those prayers be, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. In your precious name, everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated.